Hey gang, Wonder Rob here, and Shop's here too. This podcast is part of the Geek So To Speak network. Visit GeekSoToSpeak.com for our full podcast lineup. episode of oh the comic book kaiju hey everybody if you were expecting we love comics we have retired that podcast it has been put out to pasture if you found us through we love comics we would like to thank you very much for joining us and for continuing to join us hey if you found us through vector loves comics thank you very much if you found us through seasons change this is the same feed as all of those podcasts so thank you very much for sticking around hi mom uh but we are now the comic book kaiju a weekly comic book discussion podcast where allow me to reintroduce myself my name is vactor and i'm here to say that marcus seabury and hunter camp are two of my best friends in the world and i can't think of any other place that i want to talk to them but on here on this podcast so let's start off with the man with the plan, the biggest homie in the world, Mr. Marcus Seabury, Black Nerd Power, Sinna Sundry, Marcus Seabury. Seabury, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm excellent. You know, this is one of the greatest joys in my life. Outside of actually reading the comic books and spending time with my baby Grogu and my young Padme, I this is my this is the greatest joy in my life is talking comic books and watching Hunter Camp laugh. These are the things that bring me joy. So Seabury, I'm doing very well and I'm very happy to be here. Now, all the way from Jackson, Mississippi, all the way from AEW NXT, Mr. Twitch.tv slash I am Hunter Camp. He is the ookiest, the kookiest, the spookiest. I am Haunter Camp. Hunter That's Camp. That's me. That's me. How are you? I am okay. My cat set his tail on fire, and now he is running around. You know, I want to thank Hunter Camp for joining us, because right now I know every fiber in his body is trying to play Stray, the new cat video game. Which, I, yes, um, I've played it. What? So I guess what would be equal to one time. I've not beaten it yet, but I've played it on the PS4 and the PS5 and streaming off the PS4. But I think I'm switching back to Elden Ring now Ooh. for streams. But we'll see. We'll see okay. what happens. Well, I do thank Hunter Camp for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk to you, the listener, all about, guess what? We have a Book of the Month Club, boys. And the very first entry is Naomi Season 1. So uh, actually, before we get into our first ever Book of the Month, Hunter Kent, why don't you tell the listeners, why are we the comic book kaiju? Well, <laughs> we are the comic book kaiju because we are, our passion for comics is so monstrous that it can only be descri described as that of a kaiju. Ooh-wee! And Seabury, are you Mothra? Who are you? Nah, man, I'm Gamera. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And... I also love alliteration. So comic book kaiju, comic kaiju, that was something that I, I said specifically when Hunter Camp was coming up with the, with the name of this show. I said, let's get some alliteration in there. So that's why we have changed from We Love Comics over to Comic Book Kaiju, in case you were wondering. Also, there's a bunch of other shows that have We Love Comics that I did not realize when I came up with that name. So we are now the Comic Book Kaiju because there are no other comic book kaijus out there. So... Thank you very much, listeners and supporters. Um, don't forget, you can always leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify because, well, I guess we sh we still have the same reviews, but we need more. So tell your family, tell your friends, if you're listening to this, if you enjoy comic books, every week we're going to be discussing all of the latest and greatest topics in the world of comics. And we're going to start off this episode 
by talking about Naomi season one. Now, Naomi season one, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see Hunter Camp hand modeling his copy. But this was brought to us by Marcus Seabury himself. So Seabury, why did you choose Naomi season one? Uh, I mean, it just ticked off a lot of boxes for me, man. Um, first off, it's Brian Michael Bendis uh, oh, as yeah. a one writer. You know, I loved his Marvel work. His DC stuff been kind of hit or miss to me, but I wanted to give us a chance. It was part of a new imprint called Wonder Comics, seemed to be more, you know, youthful heroes. I kind of got a soft spot for teen heroes. It's a black woman. And it's also co-written by a black writer. Um, David um, Walker. Yes, David Walker. Thank you. Thank you. I'm black. <laughs> like, I ain't talking to this dude in real life. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. And it's, you know, and I like coming of age stuff. I like our life stories where, you know, heroes are figuring out things. Because one thing I hate is People get their powers like, oh, I know everything. Right. And like, especially when they start flying everywhere, I'm like, oh, so your powers came with GPS? <laughs> you just know where the hell everything is on Earth? Right. You know, things like that. Um, So there's a lot of that in this book. And I like the fact that, you know, they, they use some alien races that are already in the DC universe. Hmm. You know, I like to see people make use of a shared universe. I mean, if you're in a shared universe, you know. Might as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's cool to add to the mythos. Right. Well, that is awesome, Seabury. And I do want to point out that the artist, Jamal Campbell, is also African-American. So there's a lot of diversity, a lot of representation in involved in Naomi, I should say. Um, and Naomi also got her own television show season uh one season show on the cw um only marcus seabury has seen this show out of all three of us um and from what i've heard seabury it is not worth me visiting is that correct not really man okay. i made it about four episodes i'm gonna go back you know they're still on my dvr but i was just like i was like i wanted this to be good so much like <laughs> why not good show why are you not good <laughs> <laughs> so I specifically wanted to jump in because I've been hearing so much about Naomi. This came out in 2019. So it's been about three years. I knew about the TV show. I knew kind of that it was a new African-American character. And like Seabury said, Brian Michael Bendis, I was a huge Bendis fan going back to Marvel and Ultimate Spider-Man, which is my favorite run of all time, uh, Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man. So I wanted to see what he was doing in DC. I wanted to see this new African-American character. And I jumped in to season one. But before I give my thoughts, let's hear from the Hunterist camp. Hunter Camp, what did you think about Naomi season one? So, um, so I, I, actually, I absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, it was exactly what I think I wanted. Mm. Um, it was... I, I'm not like the biggest origin story person. Right. Um, I typically just like a, a story to be good. Um, so with this one, it felt like I was reading something that was really special. It felt like I was reading something of, uh, like the beginning of something that's going to be significant. Um, it reminded me of reading the uh, first run of the Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. It reminded mm -hmm. me of Ultimate Spider-Man. Like it had that same sort of spirit to it. Uh, so for me, I really, really enjoyed it. It was, it was exactly what I was hoping it would be. And Seabury, you and I both have caught up because there is a season two. We're not going to talk about right. that, but we are both caught up. Um, so we have a little bit more of the story to draw from than Hunter does. But speaking of just these first six issues, can you recall Seabury when you were reading these as they were coming out? Did, what was your feeling like when they were... As, as you saw each new issue coming out at the, at the shop. It was cool, and I was just really trying to figure out, you know, what was going on, because, like, she was trying to figure out, like, okay, she has adopted parents, and one of them is from the planet Rand. That's where Adam Strange is at. Right. And, you know, she, she was like, oh, so, 
but you're my adopted parents. Huh? Who's my birth parent? You know, it was a bit of a superhero more research going on. He's <laughs> like, are you my daddy? <laughs> so, you know, it was a lot of that going on. And it was just interesting seeing it unfold on a monthly basis. You know, I was like really getting into it and I really wanted to know the mystery. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to know where this character came from because, like, I don't know. It just seems so hard to like launch new characters, you know. And, and I and I mean, yeah, they do use some established alien races, but you know, I can't really blame them because, like, man, these be like. I remember those point in Marvel. It's like, man, unless you was like Avengers or X Men related or something like that, right? It was like, man, your book ain't gonna last. Yeah. So it was, it was just cool. And that's actually a very good point. Um, it's hard; it's very hard to kind of have a character breakout. And I think we're actually going to talk about this on a future episode, specifically with Miles Morales, Riri Williams, and Naomi. But I was feeling that too, Seabury. And a lot of new books that come out, it's really hard to kind of jump in that world when you when you haven't i think invincible was really good about that and the radiant black stuff that's coming out right now at image is really good about that it is very difficult so um i will say i was probably the least uh naomi fan on this podcast after reading season one i really enjoyed jamal campbell's art to me this was like finding a, a diamond to me like I had not seen Jamal Campbell's art on anything else. So this was something for me that was a discovery. And I just from the opening page, I was like, this is fantastic. Um, love the coloring on it. Love the style. I could see an animated film looking like this. Um, but Bendis's writing for me fell flat in terms of the origin story because it felt very generic to me. And she also felt very overpowered at the same time where she's already, like I said, Hunter um, hasn't read beyond this, but she's already in the justice league after this, she's already in young justice. She's already in all these big like super teams. And and she's even, her nickname is like powerhouse. She's just got a whole lot of powers and it just felt too fast for me. I felt like it almost felt like she didn't earn it because she, at one day she's a regular person. Next day she's like Superman. And I would have liked a little bit more discovery of her powers. And then also kind of a little bit more nuance or um, even a little bit more novelty of her storyline, because it is very similar to a lot of things that came before, whether it be Superman or, you know, a lot of the other characters where alien comes down, she's got um, powers and now she has to fit in amongst the humans. So that was my um, kind of issue with it. So do you think that like the reason they chose the alternate dimension was more for to do something a little bit different? Cause I mean, like, let's be honest, like how many origin stories are, I mean, like that's like the origin story, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what's interesting and see, Brad, I'd like to get your take on this. Multiverses are so in vogue right now. Like we just saw Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. We just saw Loki and, with Riverdale has a multiverse too. <laughs> like yeah, it legit does. So that's something that's a ton everywhere. of stuff, whether it be video games or comic books, movies, television shows, everything's got a multiverse right now. And Seabury, it, it felt like a special thing to go into another dimension or another reality. When we were growing up, crisis was rare. There was not a new crisis every week. Like we're seeing now with dark crisis in, and the infinite madness of possibilities of whatever it is. So, Seabury, what did you, what are you thinking right now in July of 2022? What is your thoughts on multiverses? They kind of beat me into submission. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you remember back in the day, we, you know, we were on that podcast called Geekland. Yes. One of my episodes, I was like, I don't even like Austin University. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, back then I only liked MC2. Oh, which right. kind of from stuff in the 90s and was like Juggernaut Son, J2, right. 
uh, Peter Parker, Mary Jane's girl, uh, yeah. Mayday Park, yeah, yeah, Mayday Park, and stuff like that. And then you kind of made me a convert to the Ultimate Universe. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was like those are my two. I was like, all right, that's enough. You know, <laughs> but like now everything is fast and loose. And then I feel like I feel like what kind of uh broke the levies on this thing was DC being like, you know what? Everything's king. <laughs> right, yeah. No. After they Right. After they said, okay, we're going to specifically have 52 universes. It's going to be nice and neat. And then, okay, now there's just one. Oh, wait, now everything's yeah. infinite and every earth is back. Um, yeah. So I, I actually want to, like, I, I hope to tab, do that as a, as a topic also. Yes. Yeah. But I think that, like, one of the criticisms was, like, because fans were like, oh, is this canon? Is this not canon? And I think that when you open up and say, F it, everything is canon, like, that gives freedom to the writers to just tell a good story. Right. And I think that, like, I do want to have, like, a more in-depth conversation on that idea. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I think if you look at it the way that like you grew up reading comics and if you look at it that like through that mindset, you're going to have a big problem because it's going to be overbearing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just in Naomi kind of a shorthand for, but you know, what also is kind of crazy is him having created Miles Morales. You know, I know the backstory of Bendis and so it almost feels like he's already been there. He's already been down this road before with creating an African-American character from a different universe, from a different reality and coming over into ours. So it was very difficult for me not to compare it to Miles. And I love Miles Morales so much. And like I said, we're going to have a a bigger discussion on Miles Morales and um, Riri Williams as well. But in this one, like I said, it, it just, the whole thing, even down to the name, the title being season one, and then now uh, we're about mm. to wrap up season two, it just felt like a pitch for a TV series. And we found out it was because the show came out a year after she was created. And, you know, they have in the back, Bendis kind of talks about his um, his life almost coming to an end and thinking about a lot of these things. But DC really opened up the bag for Bendis and was like, to get him to come over from Marvel, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can have your, oh, you want your own line? Wonder yeah. Comics. You want your own character? Naomi. You want to put her in every super team? Yeah, whatever. Like, oh, yeah, give, give him a TV show, too. Like, I'm surprised she didn't get a movie. Um, I just don't like when a character, it almost feels like the character's forced down your throat instead of you being organically coming to the character and being like, oh, I like that character. I wish she was in more stuff. It's like, no, she's already in Justice League. She's already in Young Justice. And it's like, normally, Young Justice is the NXT, and then the Justice League is the WWE. Like, that's the the hierarchy, right? Like, so I would want to see her become a... I had such a good comment about that, man. Uh, yeah, because, like, once they go up there, their comics get canceled, and then, like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, ever since they dropped their new for the two, and they were like, you know what? <laughs> Cyborg's never been a Titan. Right, right. He's a, he's a founding member of the Justice League. Like, yeah. I, tried I had an to, issue with that. You know, kind of go around and take shortcuts. And, just, and then that made folks mad, you know, in the case of Cyborg, because then it was like, well, wait a minute. You bumped John Jones, who's been in, like, every incarnation for Cyborg? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, well, that would be even like, like representation in like the worst way imaginable. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like your motives and intentions were good, but uh, but like the way you worked it and actually performed it was trash. Right, and I felt the same way too about that. Where it was like Jeff Johns was getting everything. He was the golden boy. Yeah. Oh, you want to make Cyborg part of the? And I was like, wait a minute. You're kind of like trying to push Cyborg down. I didn't ask for this. You're trying to push him down my throat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a very good point, Seabray. So with that, because that is 100% accurate. Um, and this is where I think we have to to start to like, I, we've got to just like distinguish between the corporate aspect mm-hmm. of this comic book company or like right. Warner Entertainment or whatever. Right. And then like the characters themselves, because like the problems with Naomi 
are Brian Michael Bendis mm -hmm. and like what DC gave to Brian Michael Bendis. It has literally nothing to do with the character mm -hmm. or like that was in this this version of what we saw. Right. This version of we what we saw like was Brian Michael Bendis writing Miss Marvel like because that we have that that fanboy or that fangirl type of like attitude right plus the who am i deal mm -hmm. and i think that that is such a and i love miss marvel i yeah. love her um that characterization is so charming because it feels like i'm i was that kid yes. you know then right. i think that that's something we can all relate to right. i think where you start to damage the character is when you start to say like well brian michael bendis's original character for dc comics now is going to be in you know uh young justice and has their own tv show and is now in the justice league and i think that that's the same thing with jeff johns and like that's why we have to really distinguish and separate those two things because i think once that like if i'm looking at it through that aspect like the real world mm -hmm. like warner entertainment lens then yes 100 like i don't think i like this comic but like yeah. on its own having not watched this having not read the justice league stuff because like who cares right because <laughs> um, like genuinely you're gonna have to put, pull something really really spectacular to make me want to read a justice league run now <laughs> um but like that's that makes sense like that's to me is what like what's going to make this comic good uh and make this character really charming and grow and everything like that uh because i think that that's the key key part for me right i would say the young justice stuff felt a little less forced because they're you know they're like her peers mm -hmm. <laughs> right I mean, you know, a lot of characters been around longer in real time, but in comic book time, you know, they're similar in age, similar sensibilities. Right. Mm -hmm. So that stuff was kind of cool. But yeah, man, like, you know, I got hyped with choosing Justice League and I jumped on the book and I was like, I was like, ah, this ain't it, Chief. This ain't <laughs> it. Oh, and, no. and I didn't read any of that, uh, Justice League, but it would also, like, for me, feel like a year after Miles was created, he's on the Avengers. Like, I yeah. felt like we needed time to grow with Miles. And like I said, we'll get to that in another episode. But with and, Naomi, I just didn't feel it. And, I, and I'm coming to it as somebody who didn't know anything about her. And then I'm jumping into this trade. And, and Hunter did as well. Seabury was reading it, you know, month to month, issue to issue. So he had a little bit more time with it. But for me, it was like, oh, I already know she's got a TV show going into this. I already know she's in the Justice League. Yeah, I knew she had a TV show, but I didn't know she was in Justice League. Um, did did Bendis write that Justice League run? Nah. Okay, so it was just like put him in. Okay, I got it. Uh, I think too, where the way that I was reading this was like that Wonder Comics is like its own thing, mm -hmm. like outside of everything else. That's what I, I was think thinking that, at first too. Yeah, and then her placement of being like not in Metropolis or Star City or wherever else or Gotham, uh, I think that 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 was also made what made me feel like i liked her being disconnected and like knowing that like it, thinking in the outside realm of like not what's it what's it with in the between these two you know covers like the front mm -hmm. cover and back cover right like if you if you ignore all of that then this is great you know if you don't ignore all of that then i think that 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 tarnishes it yeah i did enjoy the um like you said, kind of the discovery factor and the wonder about superheroes. It was also interesting that it takes place in Oregon, which is kind of like where Bendis lives now. And a lot of it is about diversity, which Bendis has African-American daughters that he adopted, which I love. And I love that he's, he has now created Miles, Riri and Naomi. Um, so the fact that he has brought these characters to life is fantastic. Also her last name is McDuffie a tribute to Dwayne McDuffie. So that was all, you know, it's nice nods. Um, and I like that they exist. Um, but if I just take it from the point of the story, I'm li I like it better if you combine season one and season two. And so if we have a 12 issue arc for her, like kind of like the Mr. Miracle that Hunter and I have loved. And then also the vision book from Tom King, like the, the 12 issue arc is kind of a little bit more breathe, like a little bit more breathing room. And this six issues, it just felt like I said, just kind of very generic by, by the numbers, uh, felt like a TV show. And I just didn't find a lot 
I guess maybe just the novelty of being a comic book reader my whole life. It just didn't feel anything new to me, but the art did. Like I said, the art to me felt like, like this is fresh air to me. And it was, I guess, just my sensibilities of art, what I like in artists. So to me, Jamal Campbell, hands down, was the MVP mm. of the book. And it's hard to Rich. What's that? Bendis did write the Justice League oh, art. Oh, he did. Pitch. Okay. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but that's actually another good point, Seabury. Bendis's run on DC, I can't tell you the highlights of it. Besides creating Naomi now, I think is to me is the highlight of his of his DC time. But I haven't heard anything about his Superman run. I haven't heard anything about his Justice League run. And granted, I haven't been following comics closely for the last five years, but I still thought I would have heard something from mm. one of the biggest names in comics. Uh, Seabury, do you have a sense of, like, has he been making any impact at DM- DC so far? Ah, man, nobody likes this Superman. I don't Dang. think people like the Justice League. I think the bright spots are Naomi and Young Justice, which went on to include Naomi. Those have kind of been his high marks. Um, now, I am going to get the trades of his Legion of Superheroes stuff. Okay. A lot of it just look cool. And then also there is a, like a Justice League Legion of Superheroes crossover series. I also want to check that out. But like, I think the Naomi stuff and and like the Young Justice stuff is, again, have kind of been the high points, man. Mm. Like, it's 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 a little like sad. It kind of hurts because like like I was a bendy stand. Oh, yeah. So I got a I've got a question for both of you since both of you are bendy stands. Yes. I I want to I want to start this by saying that I am not a bendy stand, uh, and then I want to talk about something that that with bendy's that can't happen a little bit later um what do you two honestly feel like bendis has like knocked it out of the park on since uh ultimate comics uh miles morales seabury you go first man i'm killing the bug dude i wasn't feeling the avengers like before he took over man like and, and, and I mean, maybe it wasn't so much his writing, but it was his willingness to bring in characters who had never been Avengers, like Spider Man. Like, because, like, I remember old fans were like, Spider Man just shouldn't be an Avenger. Like, but why? Because he never has. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a real reason. And, right. and like, I'm kind of biased because, like, dude, before he kind of made Luke Cage, Contemporary, like they had started by putting him in that dumb puffy yellow shirt and oh, yeah. right. Bro, he was looking goofy, dude. It just <laughs> dated. So, like, I think, I think the main thing that Bendis won my legion for was updating characters that I that I cared about, and also like, like he tends to get that he operates in a shared universe and I feel like yeah he'll make new characters but he will bring characters back and I know some people hate his version of the hood in Avengers but I was just glad to see the freaking character being you right because like the hood came in hot had his little you know mini series series whatever yeah created by Brian K. Vaughn yeah then he was like back on the bench right like he was riding fine, but then <laughs> it was like, oh, the hood, yeah. I don't know what to do with him. So like I guess it was more about it. You know, I mean, cause 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 look, I get it. I know Bendy speaking. I do mean speak. <laughs> like mm. like his comments get super wordy and they'll say the same words over and over again because he's trying to mimic, you know, realistic speaking patterns i get it i know the bend is crutching and i get how that can be annoying to uh people um like i said he kind of tugged on my nostalgia strings because he's you know willing to kind of give new takes on characters and 
like I say, characters that are near and dear to me, and I appreciate that. And um, I don't know, man. Like, it's probably more of a liking his personality and, mm-hmm. and yeah, for and, sure, and his intentions more than like, you know, I can't say, you know, then it's just you know blowing me away every time, but mm-hmm. like. I feel like his intentions are good, and you know, I I'm just rooting for him. Like I said, yeah, it's it's, it's been hard at DC, boy. Like, <laughs> for sure. No, but to clarify, to clarify, I'm talking about like after he did, uh, Miles Ultimate Spider Man. Yeah. So for me, oh, oh, oh like that. that was great, what was that? <laughs> you know, kind of like that. Well, I shouldn't say that, but you know, kind of how. Michael had thriller. He was always uh, yeah. Thriller. He was always trying to chase success. Uh-huh. Thriller. One hundred percent. Well, yeah. for me, there was two that he did after Miles that really, like, I was like in the pocket for. It was his Avengers um, arc that he was doing. Uh, he did Guardians of the Galaxy, which at the time the movie hadn't come out yet, so that was like, I was that was almost my introduction to the the characters, and then he was doing X-Men, the all new X-Men. And that was where they brought the sixties team back to the present. I thought that was like amazing. Uh, that I refuse to read it because that was me. Oh man. You should go back and read it. Um, it is fantastic. And okay. Here's my I wanted a grown Jean Grey. Mm. I was like, I was like, see y'all playing. I don't want teenage Jean Grey. <laughs> I'm a resurrect. A duh, Jean Grey, you know you want to, and then you know a little bit later they did. But yeah, I'm gonna go back and read that. Um, I know a lot. Like I was just, and then I was, I was like, ah oh, man, time travel. <laughs> even but, his, uh, even his good. Guardians was like the almost the birth of the modern Star Lord, and what you see in the MCU, I think, has a lot to credit Bendis for. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be the ones he actually finished his Avengers and new Avengers the year after he introduced miles in yeah. ultimate comics. But those would be my, like, that's the last good Bendis. Everything after that has, it just hasn't been the same to me. Right. And ever since he went over to DC, it, like I said, I haven't seen anything stand out to me since. Yeah. Then. So from, from somebody that's not really a Bendis fan, um, the, I can tell a difference between when he's like creating something mm-hmm. and when it's not something that he's created, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I read, I like I was reading or checked out the guardians book too. I didn't really look like, it didn't stick with me. Like it wasn't anything that was like special uh, to me. Um, what I noticed amongst a lot of people that were reading comics at the time and like reviewers and, and whatever um, around before miles and then post miles it was like dude not another bendis book like because people just got really sick of the way that he writes right so like he's got for sure for sure legendary runs on stuff and i'm not taking that away from him um and i and again i can tell the difference between like that his original ultimate spider-man and then like stuff that he's doing now because there is a difference um but truthfully like he needs a like for me he needs a co-writer for it to hit right and that's why like i think naomi worked for me because it did have a co-writer um but so like i'm not surprised that his level like his output at dc is not like great because like a lot of people don't like him and then especially like a lot of the dc comics reading community doesn't really like him like from what i saw Mm -hmm. um so that's not surprising in the least uh, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like bury business or anything like that, but like, I think that it, like, there was a growing group of comics readers that like either steered younger or newer to comics that didn't like the way Bendis did things. And I think that that's, that's like, this is just a, this is a symptom of that. And especially in DC um, and especially this late in his, not, not, I don't want to say late in his career, but this late in his career, um, you're not going to get the level of, of stuff that he he did and it's just dc saying like oh crap we got business we got the big marvel mm-hmm. guy let's give him all the money and give him everything and it's just like that's just wacky and it's not going to turn out good so like i'm not surprised 
that the the response to his his DC stuff is not good or you know well I'll say response I'm not gonna say the work itself because I haven't read it but like the response is not good yeah it's not surprising well, I, see I think it's there's been enough time and separation from that I feel bendist out I feel like he's everywhere um almost like I don't know like Kim Kardashian it's like somebody that you just see him every day in the news you oh bendis mm-hmm. bendis bendis um and the, for the people like me, I think in Seabury, we were eating it up. Like, oh yeah, give me yeah. Bendis on everything. And then there was the other camp that was like, no, I'm 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 Bendis out, and I can't get enough of this. So that was around the like, maybe between 08 and and 2010. Mm-hmm. He left for DC, or he didn't start DC until 2017. Yeah. And now we're in 2022. It feels like there's been enough distance from that period now. Right. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying just the Bendis burnout. I'm saying that style of writing became less popular with or less appealing to readers. And yeah. so it wasn't necessary because like that's the thing with me. Like I didn't I didn't I was I'm an on and off comics reader from my entire life, right? Like if it, when I get into it, I get into it, but if I'm out, I'm out. Um so even still when I came back and read this, I was like, dude, this feels like Bendis. Like it feels like Bendis. And that's not always a good thing for me. And that's, I just mean like the taste. Cause sometimes like it, art is subjective, whether you like something or not is, is subjective. Now that's why I'm specifically saying or not saying that his work is not good because I believe that it is, but I think that that style of writing and that um, very detailed like dialogue is not something that a lot of people like. So I think it just besides the the uh, the burnout aspect, I think it's just that style became less I, less appealing to more people. Right. Yeah. And see, for me, not only was what made Bendis Bendis was a lot of the dialogue heavy stuff. It was that it was funny. And so when I read Naomi. I didn't get the same humor that I got out of Ultimate Spider-Man Peter and Ultimate Spider-Man Miles and a lot of the stuff he was doing on Avengers, um, a lot of the stuff with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, all of those things. And even in um, Guardians, there was a lot of comedy and humor in Guardians. I didn't get that as much in Naomi. So that was where I felt like it just kind of wasn't the same Bendis to me. It wasn't. It didn't get me in the same way. And that's not to say that every Bendis comic is funny because his daredevil run is one of my favorite runs of all time. And there's very little humor in there. A lot of stuff happens to Matt Murdock in there and it is not funny, but I've just like, I think ultimate Spider-Man is my favorite run of all time. And they set the record him and Bagley set the record for consecutive uh, creator on the same book. And that is what, a lot of my will, like goodwill towards Bendis comes from is it's, it's one of my, it is my favorite run of all time. And then creating miles is one of my favorite characters of all time. So that's where a lot of my Bendis love comes from. Um, And even stuff like house of M, like there's just some great stories that he wrote and contributed at Marvel. But I wonder if by him just staying on one side, Seabury did it, did it affect Bendis? And today we have a lot of creators going back and forth. We do have some that stay on one side or the other, but is it better to go back and forth, kind of like Chip Zdarsky, and write your own stuff? Or is it better to stay at one company or the other? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Jump around or shop around. Smokey Robinson, one thing. You better but, uh, shop around. <laughs> but like, man... I know a lot of the writers be struggling, man, and them exclusive contracts doing to me, hey, I can get insurance now. Right. So, you know, like, on some on some real-world stuff, I understand why they do it. But, yeah, I mean, because, like, I kind of, like, what, what, you know, Chips of Darcy and others do kind of jump around. Because, like, also, like, I don't know, man, him... Ben has been in Marvel so long. Mm-hmm. Like, once he inevitably jumped, it's like, how can you match the hype? Because, like, I wondered. I was like, because, like, I think he might have done, like, some Batman stories or some, you know, like, some random Batman stories and stuff like that early in his career. Uh-huh. But I was 
like, I wonder what Bennett would be like if he had like, you know, some lengthy runs in DC. And you know, there's always wondering, wondering. And then he finally said, all right, I signed with DC. So like after years, it finally happens. And it's like, how can you match that hype? How can you match the expectations, man? It's right. just it's just a big old <laughs> beast, you know? Right. Yeah, I wonder, um, perhaps on a future episode of the Comic Book Kaiju, we can get into that. But uh, yeah, I think, Hunter, you should continue with season two of Naomi. I think it's, depending on how they stick the landing on this last issue, mm-hmm. I did enjoy the combined season one and season two because I am... I'm interested enough in the mystery of her parents and what's going to happen that I wanted to see what happened next. Um, I just felt like it was kind of, like I said, bland in the actual setup of it, of what Mm -hmm. was happening. But then I wanted to see what was going on with the mystery. So season two is satisfying. So I think you should continue with it. Yeah, I definitely plan on it. I actually plan on um, going a little bit further too and reading some of the other Wonder Comics books. Uh, Like I want to check out Amethyst. Uh, the Amy Reader book because I like Amy Reader stuff a lot. Um, so I'm gonna, gonna check that, that out. Oh yeah. So like I'm more in- interested. Like from a writer standpoint, I'm way more interested in Amy Reader. Um, and her art style is just amazing. Uh, so I'm more interested in that than with the Wonder Twins book. But that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, I do I do plan on reading the rest of this because I did enjoy it. Uh, I also really felt like i know that we're kind of like pitching this or seeing this as like a tv series and seeing it that way um this felt like the pilot episode of something like because it felt like all of that stuff would have happened the uh the issue breaks felt like commercial breaks like all of that stuff um so i i normally don't read trades really quickly but this one like kind of just sped by uh so i really i really want there to be more than just two or three because I don't think I'm going to be satisfied with just like 12 issues of this because like that's the way this feels. It's like watching two episodes of a TV series, which doesn't, doesn't make much sense to me. Right. Yeah. Hopefully we can uh, get some more stuff. I will say, uh, Seabury, did you read the wonder twins book? I did not. That is written by Mark Russell and Mark Russell has been doing some nice stuff. I will say Um, he did the Snagglepuss comic book. Um, he did the Flintstones comic book and he also did the Fantastic Four life story. So he's been actually putting out a nice little, uh, building up and he did the, um, not all robots, which I really love that. It's all about artificial intelligence in the year 2056 taking over and the humans having an uneasy existence with them. So Mark Russell has actually been putting out some really good stuff. So that's actually another reason why I want to read that wonder twins. Seabury, did you say wonder comics is no longer a thing? I don't think it is, man. It was like all those books got canned. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's the problem with getting snapped away and coming back after uh, Thanos. And you're like, Hey, what's, what, what's been happening while I was gone? Oh yeah. Wonder comics. That was a thing. And now it's gone. So we'll see what happens. And maybe on a future episode of the comic book Kaiju, we can uh, discuss it. Actually, Seabury, before we wrap up, did you have any uh, closing thoughts on Naomi that you wanted to get out that we haven't already said? Man, just like I said, man, it hits the spots for me. You know, I like the whole coming of age. Yes. Oh, I'm an alien, and you know, I like her, uh, her Superman fangirling. Um, Right. That was great. I did like that. Yeah, you know, I just, I like this stuff. I like the character. Yeah, I agree. They kind of went overkill, but like, yeah, let's put her in everything. <laughs> it's like, ah, slow down, slow down, Chuckle. Yeah. Where's the fire? But um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm enjoying season two. I think the story is progressing at a nice pace, and like I said, um, you know, I'm also, uh, you know, I have a David Walker bias too, because like, I don't know when he wrote his. You know, his uh, issues with Cyborg, I was just like, oh, wow. Like, I really, I don't know. I think before I, I kind of cared about Cyborg out of obligation because it's like, mm-hmm. well, it's like the black guy to DC. <laughs> but it's like, no, David Walker, like, gave him 
dimension. Right. And and genitalia. Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> well, during David Walker's run, he was able to kind of like turn his body back human for short periods of time. Cause like they don't really talk about it. If you look at, I hate DC so much. <laughs> but if you look at Cyborg, you know it's like he doesn't really have you know the um, parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's kind of been that way for years. But and like nobody ever talked about it. And Dave Walker was like, "Not on my watch." <laughs> yes, have... I'm... <laughs> look. This is great, Hunter Cam. DC Comics is so <laughs> effing annoying sometimes. <laughs> Ugh. Well, we'll I have we so, will, so no, much but, to say about that. No, but this was him writing a wrong, writing a long-term wrong to me. Like, right. how, yeah, you, that, that, how you got a character that's basically a black Ken doll? Yeah. <laughs> the, but that that time with with DC was just very, very on the nose about like, <laughs> oh, aren't you, like we don't like fun. We don't like humor. We ever all of our characters, you you know, I in in all of our heroes like F, you know what I'm saying? It's like you know what? Actually give me a break. They can't be in love with each other and they can't get married, but like they do it. That's actually my god, they do it all the time. A very good topic for a future episode because I just watched that the new Green Lantern animated movie. Uh what is it? Beware my power. Actually, Seabra, I highly recommend that. Um, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Like I was uh, tell you in a, in a, in an email, man. John Sepper Jr. He was the EP on the '90s Spider Man. Ooh. Okay. And and he wrote a run of Cyborg, and yeah. like, yeah, and he was involved in it, and we talked to him, and also, like I said, he he wrote freaking Class Act, man. Oh I mean, yeah. He wrote yeah. Class yeah. Act. Yes. Which I saw in the theater. Me with my too. Mom. <laughs> well, with my with my brother, thanks to thanks to uh, Big Bro, he was like, "Come on, Mark, you want to see Class Act?" I was like, "Cool, yeah." I saw it on the uh, USA Network. Nice. Not as cool. And he wrote on the Kid and Play animated cartoon. Ooh, so I like, watched that too. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, yeah, man, and and I'm sorry, but I'm gonna beat the drum for simple. The very first Spider-Verse anybody ever saw was on his 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Mm. So I that was the first Spider-Verse, y'all. So <laughs> people people don't be wanting to give him credit. Put some right. respect on John Simper Jr.'s name. Yeah. But the reason I brought that up is because there's been a lot of R-rated DC stuff, and they've been leaning towards, oh, we put bad language in it, and if we have Batman and Batgirl doing it, then doing this it. is going to be better for the kids. They're going to love it because I just yeah. threw up in my mouth when you said this. <laughs> yeah. Because it's gross. Because terrible. Deadpool did great and Marvel and we're going to make Harley Quinn swear and we're going to make all this stuff. So that's a future topic, but that new Green Lantern um, has some of that in it. So beware. See Harley, Quinn, but- Harley Quinn's swearing makes sense. Well, I just like that show in general, but yeah. I don't think it's in line with the, the the regular DC universe that I grew up with, Batman the Animated Series universe. So we'll talk about that on a future episode. But yeah. I would like to thank everyone for joining us on this episode, our first ever Book of the Month Club. This was Seabury's pick. So next month, we're going to go over to Hunter Camp's pick. Do you want to say it now or you want to be? You want it to be... <laughs> I don't know what it is yet, okay. well, but I'm going to tell you it's either going to be Omega Men, uh by i think is it tom king tom king yes yes Uh um or the godzilla history's greatest monster idw book because i got a suggestion for that or it's gonna be like berserk or something well hurry up and decide and also follow me on instagram and tiktok and i will let you know what hunter camp has picked perhaps um, you can follow me at vector loves comics or just vector but uh, we also would like to thank all of you listeners out there and you viewers, if you're looking on YouTube, leave us a comment down below if you've read Naomi season one or if you have any thoughts on Bendis going to D.C. or any of the things that we discussed in this episode. Let us know down below. You can always follow us over at Anchor and all of your 
wherever your podcasts are found. You can find us there. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you can leave us a review. We are also part of the Geek So To Speak podcast network, so you can check out Geek So To Speak, which is currently on uh, maybe hiatus? I don't know, but Geek So To Speak, is uh, there's 200 episodes you can listen to. Trekknological is our Star Trek podcast. That is definitely on hiatus. Um, we just finished up talking about Strange New Worlds, which is fantastic. If you're a Star Trek fan, check out all of our previous episodes as we reviewed Strange New Worlds. And then our video game podcast is called The Sandbox Gamers. We actually just recorded an episode last night talking about all the video games we've been playing, including the Halo Infinite co-op. Next week, we're going to be talking about Stray, which is the cat game that Hunter Camp has been obsessed with. But that is the Sandbox Gamers. Uh, Mr. Hunter Camp, speaking of Stray, you were... You are streaming on Twitch. Why don't you? Tell I am me about streaming that? on Twitch. I am streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash I am Hunter Camp. Um, I am mostly focusing on Elden Ring and Stray right now. Uh, I do. I've rebuilt my my Elden Ring character uh, and have started over. So you get to watch that from the beginning. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a whole history behind this character. Um, so his name is Dude Love. Hunter Camp it's, told it's me. not his name. Yeah, nope, his, name is Percy, his name is Percy Billings the third. Um, you can find out more on my Instagram at instagram.com. I am Hunter Camp, and then Twitter at Twitter for so, you know, Hunter Camp. Yeah. yeah, and Mr. Marcus Seabury, I know that Black Nerd Power is on hiatus right now, but you are reviewing stuff at on location. Cinnasundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a movie review show I do in conjunction with On Location Memphis. You can find it on the On Location Memphis Facebook page or the On Location Memphis YouTube channel. Uh, sometimes it's me solo. Sometimes, you know, I'll deep dive a nerdy series and bring on a guest. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll have other other guests, you know, to join in. You know, I, you know, I like to uh, have people with me when I nerd out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, I got that going on, and um, and uh, also Black Nerd Pearls on hiatus. You can listen to all the past episodes on the Kazookian app. That is K U D Z U K I A N. And you know, your boy's still active, man. You know, we uh, yeah. You know, we trying to bring this Orange Mound Bound to the to the mass. That's gonna be a animated series. You know, about Orange Mound. Uh, like the first black community hey. in, in, in in America for real. Do your do your Googles. Um and you know, just if you see some crowdfunding or something for Orange Mound Bound, please contribute. You know, we're trying to do quality animation, you know, but we're super indie. Nice. So uh, you know, please support that. Excellent. And please support us at the Comic Book Kaiju, where we love comics, and you should too!